Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very spooky edition of a Bald Move Pulp Commission podcast. We're here to talk about The Nightmare Before Christmas, a 1993 stop-action spooky holiday film. It's its 30th anniversary. Uh, around the 20th yeah. of October, we'll be releasing it uh, within days of that date. Uh, the The head creep that put us up to this terrifying commission was Doug. You might better recognize him by his horrific internet name, past tense of dig. Ooh, it implies he's dead, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm, trying real hard to make, I'm, try, I'm trying real hard to hard to make this like Tim Burton spooky, okay? Only creeps uh, use pseudonyms. Only creeps use pseudonyms. So this, you know. this is true. Yeah. Anyone that doesn't go out on the internet with their own goddamn name front and center, coward. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> no matter how uh, th- thinly veiled it is. This this movie asks, what if the Grinch stole Christmas, but for the best intentions? I've seen this movie many times, although I came to it late in life, as we'll, I'm sure, get into. And as longtime Bald Move fans can probably almost guess. <laughs> uh, uh, Jim, w- w- what's your whole deal? I think this is your first time seeing this film. How'd you make it, it is? to the ripe age of 40s something? Uh, without seeing this film well as you alluded to I was not allowed to watch this as a child because I was in a weird witness Jehovah's Witness cult uh, and we weren't allowed to watch anything that related to holidays of any kind um, so this one was Let right alone out. double holiday a double movie. holiday yeah. oh my this is double demonized the, yeah, twice the demons about it. so you know and then life gets in the way and 30 years later, you realize, oh, yeah, I've never seen The Nightmare Before Christmas. Why don't I check that out when someone pays me to do it? Some person on the internet pays you money <laughs> to, to fill in this giant cultural hole of yours. Yeah, so that's how I got to the ripe old age of 41 without seeing this movie. I don't know. How about you? Uh, I, I Yeah, same. I grew up in the same weird cult. Um, I so I got into it as an adult and I never really thought I'd get into Christmas or Halloween or any of these things. But I also had, Mm -hmm. you know, a young, young boy. He was like, I think, two at the time I got divorced and left the religion myself. Um, And I wasn't planning on being like one of those dads. It's like, oh, your mom doesn't celebrate Christmas. Well, I celebrate Christmas big time. So I just kind of like, you know, I enjoyed my time off but i didn't really do any christmas lights or stuff and then jack sometime between age of three and four started realizing what christmas was and asking about it and mm. you know aunt aunt val aunt val does christmas and can we go over to aunt val's house i'm like yeah okay sure and the next year i was just i was just all into christmas because i finally you know just 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 trying a little bit uh especially with like a four-year-old boy <laughs> it's it's a it's it's a yeah. good 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 introduction and around that time someone insisted that i watch the nightmare before christmas and i thought it actually kind of spoke to me in that capacity like i felt like i was jack skeleton like what's this what's this like what you know what is the meaning of christmas like i you know i'd gotten to my mid-30s without engaging with it at all um being an Mm -hmm. alienation from you know like halloween and christmas i hated that period of time as a kid because that's when i was the most oh, yeah. weird kid at school mm-hmm. you know the rest of the year you could kind of like you know blend in and until you got into teens and people started smoking drugs and, and having sex it was pretty easy to pretend to be a normal kid but from october 31 to december 25 jesus christ don't ask me too many questions about what i'm doing for these holidays because i will stick out yeah. a sore th- thumb so like I, I did I, I I felt like it was cute that Jack like I you know like like uh, I felt like I was Jack Skeleton kind of thrashing around trying to understand you know at, at first you know like I I think the first time I celebrated Christmas I literally I think I I told the story on the old Swizzbold Network but I went to like Walgreens like a week before Christmas and bought whatever they had on the shelves left nice. and just kind of strung it up in my living room and stuff and I I had a hand me down four foot tall four and a half foot tall christmas tree and um yeah, i haven't looked back since so that's kind of like my relationship with the film and how i've kind of approached with it and it's funny as i watch it more and more i get different things out of it um but but i i like i said i really like it it's it's an, it's like barely over an hour long there's like two or three sequences i skip because i don't like uh it's oh, something boy. i watch a 
but something I watch about every year, and uh, that's that's what I think about it. All right, sounds good. What about Podcast you? You haven't over. actually said you haven't actually said what you th- think about it. You you said that this you know that you've only seen it the first time, but oh yeah, I mean the, yes, this is my first watch of it, um, and I knew roughly what I was in for. You know, it's a Tim Burton project let's call it um and it's a stop motion thing and it's the halloween people and something to do with christmas and that was kind of all i knew and so i was kind of primed to to i guess enjoy this because i knew everybody else that had seen it pretty much universally enjoys it i I can't imagine why you wouldn't if you're a fan of cinema at all just it just from the production techniques alone uh it seems like a worthwhile watch and then you know you throw in a little bit of uh holiday cheer and a little bit of uh character soul searching and stuff and then it becomes yeah something i think better than just the sum of its parts but uh i i really enjoyed it i think the songs are mostly good there are a few very memorable ones um this is halloween is probably what i assume is the most memorable of all these songs um in in people's minds i really liked kidnap the sandy claws i think that song is great it's so much fun um and yeah i just i just enjoyed the experience of watching it uh, I, I didn't do my do- normal shtick of like running down who is responsible for this film. Uh, of course, this thing was, boy, it, it's complicated. It was directed by Henry yeah. Selick, screenplay by Carolyn Thompson, based on an adaptation of Tim Burton's original idea by Michael McDowell. And we'll, at some point, I'll break that down because like uh, this morning I, I watched the film and then I watched the Netflix uh, documentary called uh, the, 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 the Holiday Films That Made Us, Holiday Movies That Made Us. And they have one on, I think, on Elf is one of them they did, but they did this one. And it is a real whodunit in terms of like who deserves primary credit from this film. Mm-hmm. Because I think the world at large, well, shit, we should just talk about this. Oh, well, hold on a second. Let, let's talk about the stars of the film too. Uh, Danny Elfman. You don't even have to edit that, Talitha. I'm just, I'm just being a scatterbrain today. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to edit this either. Keep it all in. I fucking dare you. Uh, da- da- the stars, Danny Elfman. You might recognize him from his uh, God. What do you call it? A new wave pop band, Oingo Boingo. <laughs> Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but probably more from the over 20 Tim Burton projects he's worked on. Yeah. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Batman, Edward Scissorhands. He's also worked with Sam Raimi a lot. Uh, he scored Spider-Man. He's done big Oscar winning film, Goodwill Hunting, Men in Black. He did the theme song for The Simpsons. He's prolific as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, very distinctive style, too. Like, you, you wouldn't think so, but like, if you listen to The Simpsons, Batman, uh, this like they all kind of like Pee Wee's big. You can kind of hear the Elfman quality. It's very John Williams that way. Uh, he also is the voice. He wrote all the music, uh, composed all the music, and is the singing voice of Jack Skellington in this movie. Speaking voice of Jack is Chris Sarandon, Sarandon, who you probably recognize as Prince Humperdinck from The Princess Bride. Hmm. Uh, the singing and speaking voice of Sally is Catherine O'Hara, who is the mom from Home Alone. She also uh, worked with Tim Burton on Beetlejuice. Uh, and then there's some voice actors. And then there was another name I recognized, which is Paul Rubens, who has a very small role. He's Locke um, from the Locke, Shock, and Barrel trio of Oogie Boogie Boys. Speaking of creepy pseudonyms, that's Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Um, yeah, so like I, I, so I want to start up front, um, talking about the, the, the credit for this movie, because (laughs) I went through my entire life thinking that this was Tim Burton's nightmare before Christmas. Same here. Wrote this film. He directed this film. He probably sculpted some of those clay heads himself on the set every day. 
making sure everything looked exactly. That is 100% wrong. And I kind of understand why the other three people in the credits are kind of myth that. Well, so so, so what's your understanding of how the credit should be broken down here? Um, I look, I don't have a great grasp on it. I read some stuff. It feels to me like the director of this movie probably deserves primary credit uh, for the vision of this movie. Like you've got you got Tim Burton who's drawing up sketches and who originally wrote a poem that was kind of the genesis of this whole project. And then as my understanding, he basically took it to uh, Henry Selick and was like, yeah, we're, we're going to make this thing over at Disney. Uh, do you want to make it? And he signed on and then he basically took over the entire thing. Tim Burton had very little involvement after the initial like ideation of it. Yeah, this is like something that I learned like 15 years ago about, you know, when you're a younger person or I don't know, a person that hasn't tried to do anything, uh, you think the idea like like a truly great idea is the thing mm. that's got currency in the world. But what you find is like that's like maybe two or three percent, maybe on a really good idea, 10 percent. But the rest is execution. Um and the amount, I mean, I think it's especially egregious on a stop motion film to give the primary credit to the guy who wrote a three page poem, poem, did a couple of sketches at Disney kind of as a lark. And then it's a great idea. And like and also like when we're talking about the vision, it's, it's kind of hard because all this vision is kind of Tim Burton's like this sure. is very yeah. much his style. And, you know, they, they went in a documentary I watched on Netflix about like how. Uh, Selig and him, uh, Selig and him go back a, a long ways. Like that, they met mm-hmm. at the, you know, when when per- Burton was a mid twenties animator, fa- failing animator, working at Disney because Disney's like, who is this weirdo that kind of keeps to himself and draws all this macabre illustrations? Like this is not fitting into the mid eighties Disney style at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but he made that connection there and. You know, with the stop motion stuff, like that isn't a particularly laborious way to animate a film. And this is pretty short films, like an hour 10. But it took two years of these people's lives to do. And like I said, it's complicated because Danny Elfman wrote like like him and Tim Burton got together over like a lunch or two. And Danny just went and fucking wrote all the music without having a script or anything. And then Mm -hmm. he got Danny got his girlfriend to write the rest of the script and I guess she butted heads with the director. But anyway, like like all four of these people probably deserve some kind of equal credit. And it's a shame that it's like just Tim Burton's deal, you know? Yeah, it's a branding thing more than anything. Uh, Tim Burton at this time was very popular for his live action stuff. You know, the Batman mm-hmm. Returns. Yeah, he was huge. Riding, riding. Beetlejuice, all that stuff. Um, and so Tim Burton's Night, The Nightmare Before Christmas feels like branding. is marketing, you know? Uh, you know the name Tim Burton. Well, let's slap it on this project yeah it's it's not quite that egregious because he did come up with all the ideas and stuff and he definitely came up with characters and and a rough plot you know this poem he, like, he has as much to do with nightmare for a christmas as tom clancy has in tom clancy's splinter cell yeah yeah which is he barely came he barely wrote the book that the idea is based on you know like he didn't code it he didn't come up with the art he's not in the voice cast he's not oh shit he didn't do any levels for the game like that's kind of tim yeah like he, he wrote a three-page poem and some ske- like three or four sketches um mm-hmm. but i guess he also was like involved from afar like he had you know like he uh, they sent him designs and he would either approve them or disapprove them. And I guess he had like some really strong opinions on the first draft of Halloween town and saying stuff can only be black or white or orange. And, but yeah, I just, like I said, that I, I just felt that like was such a huge, uh, it felt like a conspiracy level when I saw this film It's like, Oh my God, I cannot believe how much I thought this is Tim Burton and a lot more credit to go yeah, around. Absolutely. Uh, I think we should also maybe at this point talk get to Doug's comments um, okay. because he's got a, he's got a lot of thoughts about the film as well. Um, Doug again, past tense of dig if you're if you're looking for him on the Discord or forums. 
says, I have a dedication for my sister Allison. This movie is dear to both of us. I'm 10 years her senior, and I remember when she was five, she watched this movie every day before and after school. This went on for months, and I would usually watch it with her. So when it comes to this film, we know the stories and we know the rhymes. Um, I thought this was when I remember this movie coming out. I was 17. I was a junior in high school, and this movie... Um, like we had a, a pretty pretty active goth population in my little small town. Um, I don't know like if that was like right on time because I got I, I imagine like Indiana was kind of behind the times in terms of subcultures and stuff. We had a pretty big goth population, and holy shit, every one of these kids like overnight started wearing Jack Skeleton shit. I feel like they watched that fucker walk down that spiral staircase in the moonlight, and it just sang to them. It's like. It, it it was a huge moment in in the community, um, and it's weird because like again, yeah. I, I I had a, a lot of my friends were goths because surprise surprise the weird kids are the only ones that hang out with the other weird kids, mm-hmm. um, and it's just one of those things where it's like I had no idea how to relate because like I wasn't into any of this stuff and but uh, <laughs> yeah, this movie also famously kind of flopped in a theater, and this is how it got big. People like you know Doug and. Allison just burning out their VCRs watching this thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Doug says, this is the first time I remember seeing, uh, first film I remember seeing in theaters. Apparently my first movie was Batman Returns, so I had a very high dose of Burton from the jump. <laughs> I watched this almost every year and was was stood the test of time. I'm very curious about what Jim thinks of the film, if he hasn't seen it yet. Uh, I can't view this movie through an objective lens, so his appraisal with fresh eyes will be fun to hear. Uh, there's also some trivia he's got for us. I thought maybe we could leave it there and then come back at the end of the review and, and see, see, see what we missed. Um, but yeah, uh, I, it's like one thing I can't imagine the majority of the bald move audience is not familiar with this film, but if you are in the same boat as me and Jim and you were raised in some kind of weird, I don't know by wolves or Jehovah's Witnesses or what uh, this film is about a character named Jack Skeleton who is the ruler of Halloween town which is kind of like a Halloween themed mystical plane of existence Uh, there has portals to other holiday lands like there's an Easter town there's a Christmas town and Jack gets very bored with being so good at scaring people and he stumbles through the Christmas portal and sees this land instead of frights, a land of delights. And he comes back to Halloween Town with a plan to incorporate and eventually take over Christmas from Santa Claus. Um, and it's like the plot doesn't literally make sense. Uh, the characters are all dead people. They're stitched together and kind of have mysterious uh, motivations and relationships with each other. But uh, there's a lot of catchy, catchy tunes and really, really innovative, interesting looking animation. And uh, that's why you're there for it. That's why you're there for it. Um, yeah, and that's why it holds up 30 years later, I think. I have a controversial opinion, I think, about this film. Okay. What's that? I don't think Danny Elfman is a particularly good lyricist. The, the music is good, but the rhymes mm. themselves, I don't know about what 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 kind of what kind of measure and 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 cadence and construction and rhyme in Kentucky with lucky. Uh those rhyme what's wrong with that it 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 is it's just like when (laughs) when you're listing a bunch of things and locations and you start off with kentucky and that's the only specific thing that you name i don't know i don't know it feels like a reach feels like you might have sprained your sprained your rotator cuff reaching for that one i i feel like elfman is having fun with the form um because he's he's i don't know i I feel like all of his songs are are riffing on what would be proper form and he's he's just having fun he's playing around with music Mm -hmm. and lyrics and i i thought it worked i like there are some maybe slightly awkward moments in his songs but they they seem intentional 
in a way that I'm like, okay, the guy's just having fun with it. And he knows, he knows that he's doing something, uh, maybe form breaking here. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I, I think this is an unpopular opinion. I'm not even sure it's correct. I'm just a pretty big fan of musicals sure, sure. and uh, like I've seen, I, you know, like there's there's musicals that are funny and like are ripping on the forum, but are also serious students of the forum. Like you think of like uh, Book of mm-hmm. Mormon, right? Sure. And then you've got like you know a community episode that just does a random like musical episode, and it's like it's pretty good, but it's like you know pretty simple construction, and not everything is is flows as well as it probably could have if they had like months to kind of work and polish. And I feel like. Yeah, I feel like Danny Elfman did this like, you know, in like a, a two night fever pitch and like, that's it. I'm done. No notes. Uh, no, no, no revisions. Write the script around it. Look, I've. This is the second musical I've participated in this year, and this is by far the better of the two. So I can't complain. Wow. Really going to take shots of subspace harmony in the middle of a. Yeah. Night yeah. before Nightmare Before Christmas. Look, I'm just you. defending my man Danny Elfman. Uh I I enjoyed pretty much all the music in this. Like I said, I think there are some standouts, right? This is Halloween is the one that like This is Halloween everybody is, is, knows. is super fun. I think what's this is okay. is, is pretty okay. fun. Yeah, it is. Um Making Christmas, I don't know if it's good, but I do know that I chant it when I'm actually hanging up Christmas decorations or I'm wrapping Christmas presents or I'm baking uh-huh. Christmas cookies. This making Christmas making it's it's a lot of fun. That's 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 where like I I put a gun to my head. I couldn't tell you what other what other song. the Oogie Boogie Man. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's a ton of fun. I can't I like the I ones could, that are I, sinister and dark and like this is Halloween is not that this is Halloween doesn't have or maybe I was just settling into the movie and I didn't notice but this is Halloween doesn't have like the really dark lyrics that like a uh, kidnap Sandy Claus does I I love that song I like kids singing about putting Santa in a bag and burying him for 90 years and seeing how he feels <laughs> is fucked up in just the right way for me yeah, here's the thing. I don't particularly like the Oogie Boogie Man or his three children accomplices. Uh, huh, okay. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't I don't like the song um, about mm-hmm. kidnapping Sandy Claus. And <laughs> uh-huh. I don't understand the Oogie Boogie Man. You don't understand him? What's to They're understand? Like, what's... He's a burlap sack with a bunch of bugs in it. Yeah, but like... So, like, Jack Skeleton is the ruler of Halloween Town, right? He's, like, Mm -hmm. he bends the whole realm to his land, but there's just some random asshole who plots against him. But he doesn't really pose a threat, because, like, whenever Jack comes there, he's not afraid of Jack, but Jack's certainly not afraid of him, and Jack just whips his ass. Mm -hmm. It's, like, you're you're supposed to, like, like, I guess... At first, I thought that there was going to be a titanic battle, but, like, Jack just beat... Because, of course, he is. He's the king of Halloween Land. Like... Yeah. So... I, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just it's a weird kind of world building. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I, I think there are some things in this movie that don't work or don't connect the, all the dots for me. Uh, I can understand that one being one of them. I, I wasn't super bothered by it. But the one that bothers me is like why Jack has a change of heart at at the appropriate time in this film. Like why he goes from... I have no idea who I am. What am I even doing anymore to aha? I just need to do Halloween again. Okay. I think I can help you with this because I had that same problem the first few times I watched it. And what I think you're supposed to understand is that Jack found a new way to terrify people. Like by trying to do Christmas, the Halloween style, he (laughs) did like, there's like genuine screams and, like uh-huh. uh you know he 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 really put a fright into people and he's kind of like i got a whole brand i got brand new ideas instead of trying to fuck up christmas i got brand new ideas to 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 make halloween fresh for me again um cuz that's, that's that's jack's whole lament mm-hmm. like i yeah. i'm mr halloween like i scare people uh, like by reflex it's like yeah. so easy get out of bed it's, in the morning i scare people 
Yeah, like it's like a, it's, it comes easy to me. I need a challenge. It's like one of those things where it, like a change of pace. Uh, it's like going on a vacation and you get reinvigorated for your job. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you're supposed to understand because he actually d- d- says that. Like he's feeling sorry for himself. But then he's like, well, I kind of feel bad for like, you know, I neglected my own holiday and I fucked up this one. But then also like I actually for the first time and I don't know when feel excited about scaring people on Halloween again. Uh, I, I think it tracks, but it is it is a little it's a little, a little it's nebulous. A little, yeah. It's a little loose, a little yeah. little careening from idea to idea. But but Jack's kind of like he's written like he's got ADD, right? He's just uh, like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, he he's he's just kind of like goes from one extreme to another. He tries to like scientifically. Like I really like that him experimenting on Christmas, uh-huh. like d- dissolving ornaments and acid and <laughs> and vivisecting teddy bears and trying yeah. to figure out like what what is this and reading all the source materials and at the end he's like God, does none of this make sense? And he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to instead of understanding it. I'm going to improve it with me. Um, I'm gonna emulate it, right? Like I'm going to look. I, I I see all the things I've seen about Christmas, and I'm going to go do those things in my style. Yeah, but yeah, he really doesn't understand Christmas at all. Like, just just kind of just just kind of goes from idea to idea. Um, the whole the Sally stuff I think is really funny. I was shocked when I read that you're supposed to understand the Doctor uh, Scrotemeyer. What is this thing? The, the, <laughs> Finkelstein. The, Finkelstein yeah. that he is supposed to be her father. I do not read that relationship what? as fatherly at all. No, especially when he built a replacement. And it's just essentially a sex bot that looks that looks and things like him. Uh, yeah, I thought he had trapped some poor woman in his dungeon and like. First of all, Jim, he created her. He created her, I think. Yeah, I I think there's a bit more of a relationship than trapped in a dungeon there. I mean, I guess with created her, I probably should have figured it was father daughter that that makes sense. But like, yeah, yeah, but that's like monster. Yeah, I guess that's. I mean, that's the thing. It's like he created her. So there that is the like Frankenstein father figure. But like he created Mm -hmm. her for not fatherly intentions it didn't seem to me but like she's yeah, always yeah. trying to poison him and he's kind of like yeah you shouldn't poison me but i'm not too mad about it and then when you find out that she successfully poisons him he's a monster so it doesn't kill him it just puts him to sleep it's mm-hmm. like it's 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 non-serious but like i don't think they did a good job of explaining why sally loves jack and they certainly didn't tell the sure. story of why jack falls in love with sally at the end yeah uh but it's like it's a it's an hour and ten minute film. You know what 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 do you, what do you want him to do? It's it's not. I don't I don't think you're supposed to think this deeply about it. Yeah, and by the you know nineteen month mark of this shoot, they're probably like I don't know. Cut this scene. We're fucking done with this. Like we've got a hundred and four thousand frames of stop motion animation. Let's call it already. I know that uh, Tim Burton says he'll never do another. He'll never do a sequel to this, and probably it's probably is Corpse Bride. Corpse Bride isn't a sequel. Corpse Bride is just another in this style that I've never seen. Corpse Bride, I can say. Okay, I haven't either. Obviously, but you're right. That's got to be at the very least a <laughs> spiritual like, successor, right? Because what? Yeah, what is how, Sally? How do you if, come off this saying I'll never do another one again, and then do Corpse Bride and not have? changed your mind at least um what was i going to say uh he said he never do a sequel but i gotta say i would love to see what jack would make i, I just want to see what saint patrick's town looks like <laughs> oh no no you because there's the door there's the door with the clover oh, on no, there no, and i'm like we oh. can't go there but like imagine you step foot in that door it's like you know, oh, you bony fuck, and like it's just it's just on. It's just drinking and fighting, and yeah, the beer stein smashes into his face, and what's this? Rivers what's this? Green. It's uh, a fucking pisser fight. You, yeah, it's a, you're gonna die. <laughs> you're not gonna oh, survive. Yeah. You're not gonna survive St. Pat St. St. Patrick's Day town. <laughs> like in this town, <laughs> he's not wearing green, so he'd probably be in trouble. In this town, our ABV uh, is twice the legal limit. Uh, no, I don't know. I, yeah. I, it's like as soon as I saw that, See, I'm like, you can't do this. That's a very adult holiday, right? 
That's well, like, yeah, I mean, that's the least of its problems is that it's very adult. Yeah, yeah. It's based on casting snakes out of islands and drinking. Uh, mm-hmm. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Good luck with, with uh, making a land out of that. Um, I, I like the style of the two different uh, towns, Halloween Town, Christmas Town. The, the one is very, very Tim Burton, right? They're very, very uh, Nosferatu, very uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, that, that old German Impressionism type filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the Dr. Seuss land of the Christmas town. I thought making those two very distinct visual styles was a pretty brilliant move. You have to, because like a Tim Burton Christmas would kind of look very Halloween town. You know, you, you wouldn't have to have more colors. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's like, it's still recognizably in the same kind of artistic style, but like the palette and the materials and, you know, the lack of like maggot squirming everywhere. That's, that's, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's, it's much more color. Cause especially with the, the Halloween, just it being entirely black and white and like gray and maybe reds too. Um, and Halloween or in Christmas town, it's like the full spectrum and lights and snow. Yeah. It's white. It's, it's base tone is white cause of snow everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the, at the end where Santa Claus, San, Sandy Claus makes it uh, snow in Halloween towns, which gives Jack mm, kind of yeah. what he wanted, which is a little, a little taste of something different, you know? And, uh, the Halloween town folks seem like they, they love it too. Yeah. I think regardless of, um, you know, whether all the dots connect on the story and maybe if you don't like some of the songs, I think the creativity involved in this it is just what makes it special and what makes it a must see. And I do like the town hall meeting. I think that's one of the more clever songs that actually fit moves the narrative forward because you can see like Jack's trying to pitch Halloween town on Christmas and they just like they just don't get it. Like, you know, they're like, oh, there's these boxes and they get presents. Oh, are they full of bats? Are they full of? Oh, it's just not trying to scare people, trying to make them happy. And there's like through all these misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. And he finally gets to Santa Claus, which they miss here is Sandy Claus. Yeah. And he's like, he wears all red. He's like, a, like he's like this warrior king that, that goes forth on his sleigh ride, which is like S-L-A-Y. And he's crimson mm-hmm. red because he's dripping in blood and he's got burly arms from all the sacks he's carrying. Like he's and like that you can see the town of Halloween like warming up like yeah fuck yeah Sandy Claus we get, this is something we can get behind I, I just think that's mm-hmm. and then when they meet him and like he doesn't have Sandy he's like you don't have any claws at all I, I, I think that's that's very cute oh yeah I think it's well paced too like not seeing Santa Claus they, they kind of show a, a shadow of him maybe earlier or him far off in the distance and it's not until pretty late in the movie until you finally see Sandy Claus yeah like i said i think that's like that's why it makes such a good metaphor for someone uh that comes to christmas late in life or maybe from another culture like if you're moving from well i don't know someplace in asia uh or india do they do they sell christmas there? i feel like they probably don't western africa and you're like what the fuck like someone watched this like it you know it shows you how you can kind of like make christmas your own uh, and that's certainly the thing that kind of like attracted me to the to the film. It was like a good and it's also like, you know, it, it kind of like a full spectrum Christmas. The fact that, um, you know, when you experience Christmas as a kid, it's all like good times. And then, you know, if you have a long, full life, eventually some bummer shit will happen in Christmas. And you find out like how uniquely horrible Christmas can be when you're like suffering and the rest of the world is happy. And that's, you know, Christmas can break your heart. Right. Um sure there and and there's a little bit of that in in christmas like when jack set out to make the best best christmas ever (laughs) and the fucking defense forces shoot him down the sky and i love the psas where the cops are going around or people huddled in their houses like we have shot down the false santa but we have um and he's like in this graveyard just feeling sorry for himself because like look i tried to have this good christmas and it's all fucking blown up my face Fuck me. Fuck the world. Fuck Christmas. I, you, mm-hmm. I, I've been able to relate to that, too. Sure. I I was confused by another thing. Um, and my wife explained it to me with magic. 
oh boy your other your other favorite thing Uh uh-huh um so i I was under the impression that halloween town managed the holiday halloween and their timing was all based on that and throughout the entire Mm -hmm. movie they're like 364 days to next halloween let's get on it people and and then you see a countdown timer that's like 30 days to halloween and they show that and this is like during the jack's gonna do christmas phase and they show a sign swing in front of that that now says you know 34 days to christmas and i don't know i don't know how to reconcile those two things because the number doesn't change and yet when jack goes to deliver presents it's actually christmas in the real world okay am i I supposed to understand that it was fucking magic that like all the holidays in this place take place on the same day but in the real world they just take place on their you know appropriate times no i think that you have just they're in the middle of transitioning to getting ready for christmas and it uh they had already reset the clock for 34 days, but they hadn't actually covered the sign that said Halloween yet. So they had already reset the clock, and then that was swinging oh in place. God. You're supposed to understand that it's like a process that's happening. Or it could be magic, and every holiday show happens the numbers the same change. day. Just show people. the numbers change, and I'm satisfied. That's all you got to do. <laughs> you put it, do you, you put know in how much fucking money it would take those guys to move those hands back into, like, that's another 17 days of filming. Yeah. Somebody somebody noticed this, you know, a week after it was shot and they were like, yeah, we're not going back. We're not going to change that. So did, did you know that this is the world's first, which as far as I can, it might be the universe's first feature length stop motion film. Get out of here. Really? I don't know what feature length means. I don't know if that actually has like, does it mean like it's got to be longer than an hour? Um, I, I, yeah, there is absolutely like a time, minimum time limit. It's like 59 minutes won't get you there, but 61 does. I don't um, know what it is. But it's something yeah. that runs longer than an hour, a commercial hour of TV must be. But um, yeah, I uh, it it's the first one, which I thought, out, I was like, how in the hell do we get to 1993 without someone making a full-length motion picture? And I know there's been several since. Like, I there's been a couple of Wallace and Gromits. Although, I don't know Corpse if those Pride. are... Corpse, I don't know if those are like CG things, um, but like I when I, I watched the documentary and I read some behind the scenes, it seems like there's a there was a reason for that, that doing 24 frames of stop motion for like over an hour is just an insane amount of work. It's like longer than it takes to film and do post-production. It's longer than it takes to like traditionally animate. It's just a it's just a miserable process. It seems like it. Uh, but, these but are all so cool. These are all puppets, right? They're not claymation. So right? like a blend. There is like I don't okay. you know, you know you've got uh, but but like what you're saying is like the heads. Like they don't usually animate the heads. They swap the heads from like you know like Jack Skeleton might have a hundred different heads that look you know with frowny faces and like eyes wide eyes and they just kind of swap the heads around for like the hero mm-hmm. stuff but a lot of it is it seems like yeah they're just kind of bending I, I don't know if it's clay but it's like you know some kind of plastine material with a with a wire armature um yeah i was just curious i mean either way the the stop motion is the thing that makes it difficult it's like yeah uh I certainly wouldn't want to undertake this project, and apparently Tim Burton didn't either. I, I was reading uh, over on the wiki like why he wasn't as involved as most people might have expected. It's because he was like, yeah, I don't want to bother with the painstaking process of stop motion. It's brutal. He was also like shooting Batman Begins as well. So it's like, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know how, because like the way, yeah, the way that it's written up in the wiki is just like, fuck this much work. I'm, <laughs> And that was coming I, my from the vis- director. So my like, vision, yeah, my vision dictates that this be the worst, most painstaking animation possible. And now that I've made that decision, I'm boning off and shooting Batman. So <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, but yeah, the whole the whole production seemed to be like that, where it was a, a case of a bunch of people starting things and then getting too busy to oversee them during this shoot and kind of stepping half out of the picture, like the writer 
apparently of the screenplay did the same she was so busy with her work that like most of her lines never made it into the movie because she wasn't there on set with them ever uh to rewrite this stuff she was working on other movies yeah there's like a whole bunch like the writer if you're talking about carolyn thompson seems like she's got big Mm -hmm. axes to grind because she is a real real persnickety interview in this uh documentary that is watched and she so she wrote edward scissorhands and um i guess or that was her story and then they hired some other guy to adapt it into a screenplay, What she was pissed off about. She wanted to do that. And they're like, "Nah, you've never done it before. And then she shows up on set and the guy who did the adapted screenplay is not around. And like Tim Burton wasn't there. And Johnny Depp is going up to her and like, I don't understand this thing about the character. Can you explain? And so she started answering questions. And I guess that's like a faux pas for the, oh, the, 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 you know, and like Tim Burton was fucking uh, like pissed and uh, she was I, hmm. I, 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 I kind of like barred from the set or whatever and that kind of like fucked up their relationship which for, uh, and it was only Danny Elfman got her back into it so I feel like there okay. was some bad blood and maybe some malicious discounting of her ideas um, but I, I, I can't huh. I can't tell because this this documentary wasn't interested in getting to the bottom of the situation it was interested in like sharing hot goss in the most inflammatory way possible the way they cut these interviews and the way they would like put Selleck in between like he was like the ultimate arbitrator of who was right and he was very diplomatic about uh, I don't know but like I said I when I I, if I just take for her side of the story it seems like there is a good reason for her to feel like she got kind of shit on and then she doesn't even get any credit for the thing anyway Uh, yeah yeah this is kind of why I view this as like a Henry Selleck movie is because he seems to be the guy who was there from basically start to finish. And he did the work. Yeah. The work. Like he's the guy, his, his back is being broke with the shovel of this project. Everybody else is just breaking ground and doing blueprints. So it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, two, two plus years of this guy's life. He spent, you know, moving or supervising people, moving things, fractions of an inch and then walking away and push, you know, (laughs) hitting the shutter button. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, I feel like I've talked about everything that I want to talk about this movie. Um, I did, I did like a lot of the Christmas misadventures when Jack's actually going to do Christmas. Um, there's a lot of sequences of like him, like leaping from rooftop to rooftop and like, like a fraction of a second after he springs from the roof, the light comes on and like a man screams, a woman screams, a little girl screams. It's just like causing chaos. He's he delivered a snake that's eating an entire Christmas tree. There's uh, I love the killer reef. He hangs this like it's the one normal thing he puts on his old lady's door, and it's like it looks like a legit nice reef. And you're like, huh? And then it just gets these giant monster eyes and like fucking hentai tentacles come out, and the <laughs> <laughs> the, the shadow of the old woman screams. It's it's uh. It's kind of like I think my favorite part of the film, the actual n- nightmare that he makes of Christmas. I think so too. Um and I was curious about that when they were kind of building up to it, right? Cuz they have this premonition from Sally. She like is plucking plucking leaves off of a flower or something and it turns into a Christmas tree and it burns up in front of her face. She's like, "Uh-oh, we can't do this Christmas thing. It's going to result in s- some kind of disaster." Uh and I, I got me wondering, okay, where is this going? Is this going to be like an Adams family thing where it turns out that the disaster for Christmas is actually a good thing because spreading cheer would be a bad thing. Uh, and maybe if they could destroy Christmas, that's amazing for them. It, it doesn't turn out to be that it turns out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely not an Adams family vibe that I was getting. It was, I don't know. He he did end up spreading cheer, but not not the way he wanted to. He kind of spread yeah, cheer to Halloween not... Town through mishaps with Christmas, but Christmas was saved, so it's not a problem. Yeah, it's not like um, 
Because when I, I remember the first time I watched this, I was waiting for it to kind of like just be the Grinch thing where it's like he ruins Christmas, but the town comes together and it turns out it's the best Christmas ever. Right. But no, he just yeah, shits yeah. on Christmas and Santa Claus has to with superhuman ability save it at the last minute. Uh, and he doesn't there isn't like um, like the only one that learns a, a, any damn lesson is Jack Skeleton himself. Mm hmm. But I also would have a hard time putting my finger on exactly what lesson he learned. <laughs> and it isn't really a disaster. Like, your premonition is wrong, ultimately. I don't know. It's right for a time, but then Santa Claus just fixes it all, so it's ultimately wrong. Christmas wasn't ruined. Yeah. Nothing yeah, bad happened pretty, to anybody. The stakes are pretty low throughout the film. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Even with the oogie boogie, like I thought, like again, that there's like going to be some mortal danger there. Uh, and I guess he could have killed uh, Santa Claus, but he didn't. Uh, Jack came there and kicked his ass. So mm -hmm. that's in, and killed the boogeyman. There's like I, I looked into some lore because I've always had that question. Is like who is the boogeyman? And like a lot of people have tried to figure out like, oh, oogie boogie man is the old spirit of Halloween, and Jack Spe Skellington is the modern spirit of Halloween, where it's more about costumes and candy and trick or treating, mm -hmm. and like oogie boogie is the real fucking. But like that would imply that like. I would think the Oogie Boogie would be very powerful and, and maybe could credibly take over the rule of Halloween land from Jack, but it doesn't seem like that's in the cards. I don't know. He's a weirdo, and, yeah. and Jack Skelton hired him. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, don't like, get... I like the Oogie Boogie visual style. Uh, I do, too. He like I think two years ago, and... he was my, my Halloween pumpkin. Uh, my, oh, my jack-o'-lantern nice. they call it they call it, they call jack-o'-lanterns I think where I'm from the Halloween yeah, yeah. pumpkin Halloween pumpkin whatever it, it, yeah, but it's, I, it's like all neon right it's like a UV light which which is kind of an element of Halloween stuff he's Halloween very cool like I think he looks mm -hmm. cool his design's cool he's cool when he's like in the dayglow version he's cool when he's just in the burlap sack he's cool he's just a big pile of pu bugs honestly it's just yeah uh, that's pretty cool I don't see how he fits in the cosmos like, does he just chill out in his little hole and just doesn't, Apparently. Like, you know, uh, he's the shadow of the moon. That's cool. Oh. Yeah, Is when you he? watch this again, you'll recognize, like, when they're all talking about, like, I am the scream that wakes you. And he's, there's, like, a shadow on the moon that then dissolves into bats. And that shadow on the moon is Oogie Boogie. And his voice saying that is Oogie Boogie as well. Hmm. Okay. Cool. QED. That's Oogie Boogie on the moon. Um, nice. Shall we get to Doug's comments? His trivia? Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right. He's got a couple of things here. It says, there's a ton of interest, interesting trivia, but two pieces would be cool to share if there's time. Always time for trivia, Doug. The first of which is that it took three years to make and was shot at 24 frames per second, which I think means the characters had to be moved 24 times per second. Correct. It's a lot of that's a lot of movement and not just like there's a couple of scenes that like are jaw dropping um, when the co the cold wind blows through Sally's hair. I always think like, Jesus Christ, someone animated every one of those fucking strands mm -hmm. and the leaves and stuff blowing through. And it's like sometimes you can see the strings like a, uh, but some a lot of times you can't. It's, it's pretty amazing stuff. Um Imagine being Tim Burton and having the confidence to ask 120 people to dedicate three years of their lives and a ton of money because he walked into a gift shop and saw Halloween and Christmas decorations at the same time. <laughs> I tried to verify that because I think he's going like with the origin story of this, of this, um, the tale, the original tale that he did, the three, the the poem, which was a, which was a parody of the Night Before Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess it only had Jack and Zero and Sandy Claus at the in, in its original conception. It's a three-page poem. I, the, the, like the origin story is this is like him as a child seeing Christmas and Halloween stuff out at the same time, which I think is plausible. I just couldn't find that mentioned anywhere on the internet as being like I saw him talk about his childhood and how isolated he was in Burbank and how it was very you know, samey and the seasons never changed. But as a young child, he latched on to holidays because they like suddenly the house now had cobwebs and a spider or you've got a, it's like it added texture to the seasons. Cause otherwise it's like fucking California. It's pretty much the same all year round. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting, but I, I, I 
I, I couldn't find anything that actually said that he got inspiration from the blended of the holidays, but um but but yeah, as it turns out, he just essentially like gave people a whole bunch of uh to do lists and then <laughs> then boned out to do Batman. Uh secondly, the intro to Making Christmas is the same melody played at the beginning of The Shining as a starting credits role. It's a melody from the 13th century known as the Dies Irae, or translated from Rat Latin Day of Wrath. Um you'll you know the one that you're right. It is this much sped up version of that, and mm. that's hilarious. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Uh, question for us. Is this a Halloween or Christmas film? Apparently, there's much debate, but to me, this is a Halloween movie. The core of the movie centers around Halloween, Halloween town, and Halloween characters. The movie is dark, and in the movie establishes the protagonist will keep to what he knows best, Halloween. But I'd love to hear another take. Uh, that was one of my biggest questions when I started this movie. Is this going to try and say Halloween is better than Christmas or vice versa? Um, I don't think it. I don't think it comes down on a side there. I think they're just saying they're different. Um, I I would tend to agree with you. This is more of a Halloween movie, but I also feel like you can absolutely call this a Christmas movie. It it is. I it's kind of equal parts both, in my opinion. I think that's the brilliant part of it that like you could spend this in October, you could spend this in December. I will say that, you know, I keep this big uh, list of Christmas music that I maintain a, a big playlist. And when I first watched this movie, the first thing I did is I took the whole soundtrack, and just drug it in there. I don't think it works really well for that in Christmas time, but like yeah. what's this is a great, I love what's this for a Christmas song. Um, and like, and I, I'm making Christmas. I don't know if it fits in the song, but I do know I hum it and sing it to myself a lot during December. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. It, it works kind of both ways. It works great on a cold December evening. It works great on a crisp autumn evening. Um, yeah, it's 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 it, it it it's got enough of both. Like if I'm if 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 I'm a person that says Die Hard to Christmas movie, and I absolutely say Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I would be some kind of giant asshole to say this isn't because it's got Christmas decorations. It's got jingle bells in the background. It doesn't have like a recognizable Christmas standard, but like it's got original music that has become Christmas standards for people. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's absolutely a Christmas film, but it's also absolutely a Halloween film too. Yeah. Doug says that's it. It'll do it for him. Uh, for him, thank you both for all the hard work you bring us. Great content week after week, year after year. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this classic, Doug. As always, I just hope we made you happy as our commissioner for this project. If you liked our project, uh, if you liked our podcast on a nightmare before Christmas, give thanks to Doug. If you see him past tense of dig on the Discord or the forums or Twitter, uh, let him know you liked it. I'm sure, he'll enjoy that. Uh, I had a great time watching this film. I'm super glad that Jim, it's another another one we knocked off his list. Mm-hmm. He's, he's slightly more of a rounded individual now. Good good work, everyone. Uh, that's going to mm-hmm. do it for our commission podcast this week. Now, you might ask yourself, well, how can I get Jim and Aaron to talk about my favorite film or television show or video game or book or anything that we can reasonably consume in two-ish hours well, have I got a proposition for you? Go to support.baldmove.com. Click on the link that says Commission Podcast. Boom. It's all right there laid out. You throw your money on the on the website. You just Yeah, that's what you do. You just throw money at your monitor uh, through the magic of Bald Move. We will take it and get back with you and work out the details and make a delightful podcast like we did here with Doug. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you very much again, Doug, for your generous support of what we do here at Bald Move. We'll see you on another podcast uh, before you know it. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Happy Halloween. And Merry Christmas. <laughs>